That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Gonna throw it. Slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. Johnson. And he's gone. Touchdown, Missouri. You don't get no better than that, man. Lock deep near side. Jamon Moore. It's a foot race. 82 yards. Touchdown, Missouri. Boy, look at Crockett run. It's his fourth touchdown run of the day. This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans. Welcome to the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brennan Anthony. With me, as always, president of the Quinn Snyder Fan Club, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? And Charles Harris's agent, Brian Goers. Great to be here. Congratulations on that signing to Miami, Brian. Great work negotiating that contract. Yeah, thank you. Could have been a lot worse. Could have signed with the Rams or something. <laughs> yeah, God knows, God knows no one wants that. Well, happy Cinco de Mayo, everybody. Mazel tov. Is that the right term? Mm-hmm. I think you might have your cultures mixed up there. <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> Strange. Yeah, so uh, I wanted to get this out in front early because we usually bring it up at the bottom of the show, but uh, we've had a lot of new uh, iTunes reviews lately, and oh, yeah? we're really happy about that. The reason I've been really pushing it, Colin, Brian, is because uh, Paul Feinbaum has 45 iTunes reviews, mm-hmm. and we are now up to 28, and I think it would be a hell of an accomplishment to uh, surpass the great Paul Feinbaum. Paul? Powell. Yeah, we, we also got dinged a little bit uh, whenever uh, we shit on Ole Miss last week. So hard. And a couple of Ole Miss fans, bitter, bitter Ole Miss fans, Hugh Freeze fans, gave us one-star reviews. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Having never honest, listened to the show. You know you've, that's how you know you've made it, right? Yeah, I guess that's true. So, guys, we got a lot to talk about today. One thing I think we need to come back to that we've been talking about for the last month or two is the basketball team. Things keep going along for Mizzou and Conzo Martin and his recruiting for 2017-18 season. We picked up a transfer student named Cassius Robertson last week, and he will add some three-point depth, it looks like, for the Tigers, which is much needed. Yeah, for his career, he shoots just over 40% from the three-point line, and for anybody uh, keeping track at home, that's about 20% higher than anyone on our team shot this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that should be an improvement. Yeah. Watch out, Vandersex. Yeah. Vandersex's going to have to bring that, that percentage up to a 27 or 28 if mm-hmm. he wants to get any tick. <laughs> and so, fellas, the there are three more guys people, Tiger fans are looking at before this recruiting season sort of winds down. Obviously, uh, Jonte Porter, the younger brother of Michael Porter, who we have secured on our squad, has been talking and teasing Tiger fans left and right about whether he will reclassify to join the Tigers this season. And, Colin, what are your sources saying about what's going to happen there? As far as Jonte is concerned, um, not much. The The word was is that, and, and from Jonte himself, that and this week, I believe, is the first time he was really going to have time to sit down and talk to his dad and like have a tried and true discussion about what he wants to do. And so I presume at this point that conversation has taken place and, and a decision is forthcoming, hopefully. 
one has to wonder if he is waiting to see what uh, Kevin Knox does. I mean, or 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 Tillman for that matter, because uh, Jonte's a big guy. And I think the allure of playing for the Tigers this year is clear. I mean, he gets to play with his brother. That would be mm-hmm. something the two have always talked about doing. Of course, but there is a pull towards staying in high school. I think he does like the idea of being the number one big man star sure. for the first time because he's always been in his brother's shadow. Well, there's there's two schools of thought here. It's basically one being that if um, a Tillman doesn't come to Mizzou and fill that big man role, then Jonte might slip right in, and he's only – waiting to to classify one way or the other because he wants to see what Tillman does. And the other school of thought is is that if Tillman and Knox and all these guys come, he's coming because he wants to play with this, you know, super squad. Yeah, this current day fab five, so to speak. Because it's if those all those guys come, they're probably all going to start, which means you're going to have at least four freshmen starting for the Missouri Tigers next year. Well, uh, it brings us to Kevin Knox, who uh, we're recording this Friday, the 5th, Cinco de Mayo, mm-hmm. and uh, Kevin Knox has tweeted out that he will be announcing tomorrow, Saturday, where he's going to school. Uh, the rumor mill has it that it will not be with Missouri. I mean, people still have a glimmer of hope, but I think uh, there have been some bloggers who have said that uh, yeah. they do not expect him to come to Missouri. Yeah, Gabe DeArmond, well, probably two weeks ago now, said that Missouri was no longer a consideration for Knox. Uh, Alec... Lewis mm-hmm, and Kansas City Star and uh, Dave Matter both took a hot steamy piss on that freezing cold take as they spoke to the father of Kevin Knox who said no Mizzou is absolutely on the board. What are you here, Colin? Give it a percentage. Twenty five to Mizzou. Yeah, I, th- this is what I've been told is that he is going to Duke or North Carolina or Missouri, and Missouri is a distant third. Mm-hmm. So I guess if you can take any. Congratulations in the fact that we're third instead of fifth because there are five schools. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if that that give you any any does that give you a hard on? So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah, so we're well, saying there's a chance. Yeah, but it, it it's really changed, right? I mean, so think of last year and we would never be thinking we would be third on that list, right? Like somehow Kentucky wouldn't be third or North Carolina or some other, or Florida State, I think, are the other ones that was on his list, that we'd be ahead of them. I mean, look how far we've come, even if we don't get Knox. I mean, I mean that's just, we're going in the right direction. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fact that we're even in the in the conversation is is world's difference from this time last year. Mm-hmm. You know, for years, actually. Uh, that takes us to Tillman. Tell me, Colin, are you hearing anything about Jeremiah Tillman? He's been relatively quiet for the last several weeks after he took a departure from Illinois. What I heard this week from somebody in St. Louis was that he is like 85% chance of Mizzou Tiger. And you'd think, wow, 85%, that's great. That's good. Mm-hmm. But that's down from like 95%. So it's like one of those things where like it's it's still a strong Mizzou people, everybody's kind of thinking Mizzou, 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 but it's as time has rolled on, that footing has gotten a little shakier. Mm-hmm. And so, um, do you I, have suspicions as to uh, if Missouri's losing ground, who's picking it up? Well, I that I don't know, but the I think Illinois the news, yeah, news that. out of the Illinois has basically or St. Louis has been that Illinois has starting to get traction with them again, despite the the bitter, bitter wailings of their rivals, blogger and. Um, couple of their fan sites saying that they didn't need him they don't need four and five star recruits brennan when mm-hmm. they don't fit their team you know yeah they're too good and my my thought is is if you're a coach who can't make a four or five star kid Fitness. fit your program then you're a fucking terrible coach <laughs> <laughs> um and will lose your job quickly but despite the uh bitter wailings of those twitter accounts and bloggers you know the coaches still want him 
Mm-hmm. You know, because they're the ones whose jobs are tied to winning and losing. So if a kid is a bit of a flake and um, buckhead, honestly, it doesn't matter. It's, it's fuckheads win ball games sometimes, so you got to have them. That's right. Yeah, a lot of teams have won a lot of games with a lot of fuckheads. <laughs> True words have never been spoken. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, that's four people, uh, one secured, three more on the board. One looks like they're unlikely. Jonte, you know, barring some sort of crazy thing happening within the next year, he looks like he's going to be a Tiger. It's just a matter of what year he's going yeah, to Yeah, and I think, I honestly think the whole, like, talk to my dad and see what and my dad would never influence it, because that's his words. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like his dad's not going to tell him what to do. He's just going to have a conversation with him. And I, I think that's probably a little bit of horse crap from the standpoint of like, if his dad thinks the team needs him, I'll bet there's a little bit of a, I'll think you could come play with your brother. That would mm-hmm. be okay. It would yeah. be okay. <laughs> yeah. And so Tillman looks good. So I'd say, you know, we, we end up, if we end up with three out of four on that list, then we've done pretty good work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have never been like Knox is coming here. I mean, even when uh, he was visiting and him and uh, Michael Porter uh, Jr. seemed to be having, loving one another up and playing grab ass and tweeting each other and Instagramming and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, it's a long way from signed. Yeah. Well, I think the whole reason that people suspected Knox might come was just that everything had come up Missouri for the, you yeah. know, so, for so long since uh, the Sturk effect, I believe, is what we've named that. Ever since right. Jim Sturk has taken over, we have uh, been shitting gold nickels. That's right. So uh, we'll see if this gold nickel uh, goes a different direction. But anyway, I'm not going to cry too many tears if we lose Knox. It'd be great to have him, but we're we're in solid footing for next season. Yep. Other news. I mean, again, we are a football show, so I think. The big football news that had come out in the last couple of weeks that we hadn't talked about yet was there was a bit of a kerfuffle that arose last week whenever news spread that uh, Barry Odom and company had been talking about changing the seating assignments around a little bit. Uh, there was discussion that Barry Odom really wanted to move the opponent's sideline to the east and the Missouri sideline to the west. Uh, he talked about how the sun affected, you know, whether the guys got worn out, how easy it was to steal signals versus not steal signals. And then the kicker to all this was that there is an SEC rule that doesn't allow 
students to be directly behind the bench of the opponent. Well, of course, Missouri's big student section sits on the 50-yard line currently, and they would not be allowed to be there should Missouri move their opponent's bench to the east side. So, they, Why is that? Why would they not be able to? Yeah, why can't you put the students directly behind the visitor, the opponent's bench? Well, I think the you know the idea is that they don't want you know students to harass or harangue the opponents, and and it, I think that's, that's part fair. Of football, right? Well, let me tell you, Colin. Let me tell you a little story. And I don't, Brian, I don't know what things were like when you were in school, but I do remember a time when I was a youngster and I was in college at Mizzou. Seventy years ago, seventy or eighty years ago, uh, we were in the Big Twelve in those days. And at the time, the winner of the Big 12 Conference would go to the Orange Bowl. That was the tradition, and that's what happened if you won the conference. So on our first conference home game, the tradition had it. And at that time, the Missouri, uh, or I'm sorry, the opponent's bench was on the east side, and the students were right there. When Missouri would make its first score of the season in its first conference game at home, the students would take oranges they had concealed and brought in from <laughs> from home, and they would chuck <laughs> and they would chuck it at the opponents. Yeah, so, <laughs> and so, I may or may not have chucked an orange at the head of a Nebraska player a time or two. So you hucking hucking oranges at people was something Mizzou is, uh, has a proud history of. Yeah, and that was a tradition. Missouri fans, Missouri students, did it every year. They snuck oranges into the game, <laughs> chucked them at the opponents from thirty yards away, and then. People took time out as the event staff scurried onto the field mm-hmm. and picked up smashed citrus fruit. Yeah. So, Brian, was that no longer a tradition while you were there? Uh, I think that had ended when. Um, so, it, but the other thing that had happened was Pinkle in his second year switched the benches. All right. I mean, it's like what you're saying. They've actually flip flopped over the last, I don't know, 50, 60 years a couple times. And Pinkle in his second or third season flipped them to where we currently have it, where the home is is on the student side versus the alumni side mm-hmm. yes and then so if the students would not be allowed to be behind the opponents then who would go to the opponent's side and sit directly on the 50 yard line first few rows the proposal was that it would be the opponent's fans and so the sec also requires that every team provide a thousand seats to the opponents in the lower bowl section of the stadium and traditionally missouri had stuck their opponent seats in the southwest corner of the end zone but uh, the next year or so the south end zone will be under complete renovation and all of those seats will be gone and so the proposal was to stick them behind the georgia fans and then move the student section to the 30s and have a young alumni section behind the georgia fans well that caused quite an uproar certainly the student section at mizzou was upset about it and uh, you know they were losing their spot on the 50. Yeah, who wouldn't be I'm like, hey, we have uh, lower bolt seats in the fifty at the fifty, and now we're going to be moved. I would be mm-hmm. upset about that. And giving those seats to Georgia fans or to Tennessee. Well, fans that was the most it. ludicrous thing about this whole thing was like we're going to take these premium seats and we're going to give them to the visitors. Well, and, they, <laughs> and their claim was TV. that they their claim was that they weren't premium seats that they were so low that you couldn't see over the opponents the team's head. Oh, yeah, who wouldn't want to be that low? It's they're good seats. And but my issue has always been that those you know the TV cameras are on the west side of the stadium and so you would be seeing opponents fans a lot mm-hmm. on at home games at Missouri and it just seemed ridiculous to me to feature so prominently uh, your opponents in your own stadium and so uh, anyway there was a huge scuttlebutt about it and there's been no word whether they are going to retract those plans whether they're going to say up yours and stick to it well I honestly I can't I believe there's so much I honestly don't believe there's so much scuttlebutt I literally got a call about this you know a week before the story broke. And, you know, somebody's like, hey, did you hear this? You know, like, because we thought it might be news worthy of Mazadcast Twitter account or 
Mazadcast broadcast airwaves, and I didn't fucking think a thing about it. I'm like, well, who cares? Yeah, who gives a rat's ass? And then a week later, you know, Dave Matters interviewing Barry Odom about it, and there's, you know, a huge stink in the students. And I'm just like, well, I guess maybe I should have ran with this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, my my thought is, if I had to guess, if I had to uh, bet on it, I would think that there some version of it will happen, but it'll be altered. I don't know. I mean, I just really have trouble imagining that there's going to be opponents on the Missouri 50-yard line. We will see. You can call us out on it later, but I don't think that is going to happen. Uh, but Missouri Athletic Department has been known to do things in spite of its fans before. So, sure. Well, time will tell. On Hiring that. Kim Anderson is, you know, first among <laughs> those, as I can think of recently. Yeah, and keeping them for three years. Yep. Yeah, so anyway, time will tell what's going to happen there. All in all, I think it is a, a tempest in a teapot because it's it's May now, and we're still months and months away from football season, so it is a thing to talk about. I think that's what's gotten fire, people fired up as much as anything. But it is it is interesting. And, uh, you know, honestly, the south end zone re- renovation that uh, Jim Stark's putting together, it's it's going to – you know, have to move some chess pieces around because sure. there are there were seats there and they're not going to be there for a year. So mm-hmm. we'll find out soon enough. But moving right along, I think uh, another thing we should talk about is, of course, the great Charles Harris. He is immaculate. Mm-hmm. So uh, the NFL draft was last weekend and the first round came and went and Missouri put up at number 22, Charles Harris to the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, he's uh, – I, I was honestly shocked he uh, lasted to 22. Yeah. Um, but uh, especially considering what I'd seen – I can't even remember the guy who got drafted first overall was a pass rusher from Texas A&M. Anybody, Brian or Brennan, is willing to help me out with that. Anyway, I just I'm, – I'm watching the tape, and I am not a draft scout. I'm watching all these stupid draft shows, and I'm like, I can see no real difference between the two players. And um, boy, they're just, they, everybody who knows football, of course, better than me, which is based virtually everyone, uh, thinks that this guy is a better prospect, and he went number one overall, and um, Charles Harris uh, went at 22, but still, um, yet another Missouri defensive lineman going in the first round, though, unfortunately for Mizzou, it was a shutout the rest of the draft. Yeah. Um, yeah Miles Garrett was the uh, player that you're talking about there, Colin. Thank you. Yeah, Missouri did get shut out the rest of the draft. But then uh, a couple things I noticed was that, speaking of shut out, the Big 12 barely put anybody through that draft this year. Mm-hmm. Not too many teams did get first-round draft picks. I think Alabama had, had what, four Ten. or five in the first yeah. round? Yeah. No, they yeah. had four or five in yeah. the first. I think four first-round draft picks came mm-hmm. out of Alabama. Yeah. Obviously, that's a key. And, I mean, it does speak to something. I mean, we talked about Missouri being in the dumpster the last couple of years, and we had one – first round draft pick and nobody else drafted and i think colin before we went on on the air you were talking about you know people complain about the protests and this or that hurting missouri but uh, it, it does appear that uh, we're not putting out the quantity of draft picks like we were yeah, a few i think years back. i think uh silly protests and the coach leaving and and uh these sorts of things happen to coincide with just a couple of real thin years of recruiting because and i think that this draft belies that you got one first round draft pick and nobody else. Where Mizzou has been, you know, has had at least one or two first round draft picks or thereabouts, and then you're going to have a sprinkling of two or three other guys get drafted in later rounds. And um, though Mizzou had a handful of uh, free agent signings, nobody else got drafted. And then that's that says to me our roster has been weak. And uh, whether that was, and maybe, you know, Pinkle's health played into that because he didn't recruit like he would have, or maybe he just, it, we just had some bad thin years or, you know, we had talked about on the show before that Pinkle went through some personal trouble at one point, and uh, the rumor in you know amongst many of the P 
people in the press who would never say this out loud or print it was that Pinkle maybe his eye was off the ball a little bit and uh, on the poontang instead of the, the recruiting trail, and that kind of hurt things. <laughs> the forecast called for poontang. <laughs> yes, it sure did. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, regardless of what happened then and there, it uh, it has led to a couple bad seasons, and of course our our SEC media colleagues have uh, have noticed that we were terrible sure. and have really kind of relished it. And mm-hmm. one of the sites that I've gone to regularly, Saturday Down South, a site that we have enjoyed. Yeah, we've made we actually interviewed the CEO from Saturday Down South at one point, but uh, disgraced <laughs> the disgraced CEO I should mention. <laughs> yeah, but uh, they're they have really taken a turn for douchery of late. They there there have been a number of incident, incidents, Colin. Every time I read an article that's SEC wide or specifically about mm-hmm. Missouri, I see these glaring omissions and it it almost seems like there's a vendetta or there is some sort of purposeful leaving out of the tigers in uh, the Saturday Down South articles, I think. Well, I don't think it's any secret that among the diehard SEC fan bases, Mizzou is not liked. We are not SEC. We are not Southern. We're not any of those things. We're not even in the East. Yeah. I mean, we're just, you know, we're nothing and we ought not be there. And maybe they're right. Maybe we don't belong in the SEC from the standpoint of geographically, we're kind of outside the footprint. And culturally, we probably are better in most ways. But, um, (laughs) you know, they can't say that we can't compete in the SEC. I think we've proven that. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. if belonging means just not being dyed in the wool in uh, the southern ways and being outside the geographical footprint, then I'm okay with that. Yeah, a couple of the incidents. But don't 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 bring football into the equation. Right. A couple of the things we're talking about is I was looking at some statistics they'd put up about uh, offensive statistics, and they had Drew Locke mm-hmm. near the top yeah. of quarterbacks, and I looked at running backs, and they had them listed by rushing yards. Of course, Demaria Crockett had a thousand yards rushing last year. Yep. He was not even listed. They had forgotten that he was on a roster in the SEC. Sure. And uh, I, it was a gl- completely glaring omission. I tweeted to them, of course, and they, they did not respond nor fix it. Uh, there have come in a couple incidents as well. During the draft, there was an article about SEC players in the first round. Uh, they mentioned every team. And every player. Except for Charles Harris of Missouri. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that, it's just another just glaring omission. And then, of course, Saturday Down South has ranked the teams and how they think they're going to finish 1 through 14. They listed Missouri at number 14 out of 14. Yeah. So there you go. And mm-hmm. they also had articles about free agent signings mm-hmm. out of the SEC, which they failed to basically mention anybody from Mizzou being mm-hmm. signed. I mean, there was a handful of guys to get signed, including uh, Sean Colkin. Mm-hmm. And the, after the after the draft and free agency, they're just not worth mentioning. Yeah. Like I said, it's just not worth mentioning. So, um, and, and when we win the East again, whether that be this year or in years to the future, it will be because the East is down. Right. I mean, that is just, <laughs> you know, and I, the one thing I, I'll say about uh, Saturday Down South and most of these SEC news outlets that I'm seeing is that they are not loving up the Vols like they no. have in the past. They have taken the Vols off of the pedestal and firmly placed Georgia there. Yes. Like Kirby Smart took one of the pills last year, but now he's going to – it's it's fixed. Mm-hmm. They're the darling of the East. They're going to supplant Florida. Well, and that's what – so I think everyone says there's kind of three teams, right? There's Georgia, Auburn, and Alabama, and the rest. So it, it'll be interesting just next year in general if that holds true. And Georgia, yeah, a lot of faith in them all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, been... Barrett Sally, to your point, Brian, picked them third and in, in overall mm-hmm. in the SEC. And um, that seems crazy to me. Well, I think LSU— they, either, they know lots more about football than us, which is very possible, 
or they're just full of shit and in love with programs versus players and actual product. Now, granted, they're in the West, but I think LSU is better than Georgia. Yep. And I have not seen anything to date to tell me that uh, Florida can't go toe-to-toe with Georgia and possibly be better and beat Georgia and win the East. Um, I mean, I do think it's a two-horse race. The only th- but- reason I give Georgia a slight edge in this is that I think that Florida's quarterback is hot fucking garbage. Hot, hot garbage. garbage. And I think this Eason kid that plays for Georgia looks like he could be pretty good. I mean, he was good as a freshman. You can only assume that he is going to get better with a little bit of age. Mm-hmm. In an offense that Kirby Smart has just installed, so he's got another year in it. Everybody does. I mean, I'm not saying Georgia won't be better. They should be improved, but to skyrocket them to the third place behind um, Alabama and Auburn, and even Auburn getting so much love at number two. I mean, Auburn falls in hard times, and they're just immediately they just expected to bounce back and be the second best team in the SEC. Yeah. Well, another guy who has uh, really made it his personal hobby to shit on Missouri mm-hmm. is uh, our old friend Clay Travis. Sure. Uh, he recently gleefully posted uh, Missouri's enrollment is down. That's no surprise to anyone. It could be significantly down this year. He reposted a Columbia News Tribune article that Missouri's enrollment was way down, and he gleefully mentioned that uh, he said something about the fake, fake protests, protests yeah. and um, Mizzou. You know, what made it fake? I mean, I'm. Pretty well, sure those were real people. Yeah, I mean, they, you may think the reasons they were protesting, you may disagree with that, but they were certainly out there. <laughs> yeah, they were real people. <laughs> they weren't being paid by, paid by some guy named Soros, Soros or something. George Soros. So, yeah. yeah, there you go. Incorrect. Anyway, so, I mean, the thing about it to me is those protests were two years ago now, and the fact that Clay Travis has still got a bug up his ass about it, it, I, it makes me always ask, who's the snowflake, you know, yeah. here, um, because he still can't get over it. And it's not that, I mean, he's right. The enrollment's down. Things are bad, but I don't understand why he why he revels in it and takes such a joy and celebrates yeah, it. What he's talking about is not necessarily uh, wrong. You know, I mean, I have no doubt that the events of a couple of years ago play some part in the enrollment being down. Obviously, and uh, but the the it wouldn't even bother me that Clay Travis brings it up, except that Clay Travis never brings up Mizzou unless he's talking about the protests. I That's mean, right. He has his only motivation is. Obviously, his politics make Mizzou a target. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, and I, what I'll say about Clay Travis is because I think that most of his motivation for disliking Mizzou is politically motivated. I, I will at least say this: that he, if it was Old Miss or Alabama or Vanderbilt or any other school in the SEC that had done this, had protested like this and against racism or what systematic blah 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 blah, and gotten administrators fired, that he would be just as hard on them. I, I would, I would like to believe that. That. Because it's not, I hate Mizzou because they don't belong in the SEC. I hate black people. <laughs> and, and if it doesn't matter what school is, it is, uh, you know, my politics are going to mean that I'm pretty upset when there's a protest and people lose jobs. Yeah, I think, uh, well, yeah. He, he, he's just an opportunist. I mean, you know, he, he's playing it to that crowd, right, that doesn't believe Mizzou should be in the SEC. And here's another reason why. And it is this opportunity, it's clickbait, it's, yeah. he's, you know, trying to drive up his own stock. And He he, it, he says you know, salacious things, he says inflammatory honest, things, he's really Skip Bayless. I don't have that big of a problem with it. It's just, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't have that big of a problem with it. The the thing, though, that, that is funny to me is that, like, he won't just own the fact that, you know, that's what he's doing. Right? Yeah, that's like, his motivation. You know, Skip Bayless kind of just, Yeah, he just, he's a know, scattergun. And Skip knows, and he's just like, yeah, you know, whatever. But Clay Travis says it, and it's like, no, 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 I'm being, you know, sincere. Like, no, mm. you're not. Just 
Well, and I no, think like, I th- it's okay. Well, here's the thing: I don't think anybody's mad at the Columbia Tribune for printing the story right. because you know the Columbia Tribune does plenty of stories that are positive about the University of Missouri. Right. Obviously, it's hometown paper. Right. So when they print something that is, you know, casts us in a poor light, and this obviously does. It's just them being journalism, and you know, it can't all be sunshine and lollipops. Right. It's, it's the fact. It's, it's not the, the story. Yeah, it's not the story. The story is legit. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the fact that the guy pumping it out to the entire SEC fan bases across the South is a guy who just happens to only tweet about Mizzou when it's negative and specifically about protests. And, and Clay Travis is polarizing. I mean, when we tweet shit back at Clay Travis, we always get very mixed responses. And some people uh, agree with us, and mm-hmm. some people are saying, well, they like Clay, and he's right. And, uh, you know, just to your point, uh, <laughs> we don't— we don't have any problem with him saying a fact. Yeah. It's the point. It's the fact that he doesn't is, ever say anything else. Yeah. And he revels in shitting on us. And yeah. it's like, hey, we, this is our team. We support them. We are our fans. We want them to do well. We want Mizzou to succeed. So when you celebrate that we're they're going through a rough patch, fuck you. We'll say that to anybody. Well, fuck my you. thing is, well, if well, he was. Tr- also, keep in mind that, that, you know, Clay Travis represents the exact style of people that now is taking over the ESPNs and the whatever, right? So ESPN laid off like a hundred of their journalists. Yeah, they, they've like, they've gone you know, with their they've gone Dan with the Levitard is yeah. still on there. Yeah, don't, yeah. Stephen A. Smith. That they've gone no with sense. the hack talking right, head right. shitbags. Uh, wait a minute, guys. You guys talk about this like it's bad, but all I see is opportunities for us at ESPN. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's but, like who needs Jason Stark though, or you know, Ed Werner? The problem that I have. The problem that I have with people like Clay Travis or anyone else is that you know don't pretend to be a journalist and then just be someone who just puts out opinion and only opinion and then like hides behind oh, no 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 I'm a journalist I'm a journalist right so I can I mean, say whatever Paul I want Feinbaum, you know the the greatest um, person in the South I believe is his title thank um, you you know he he doesn't pretend to be anything he's like you know I've got the show you can call in. And that's that, right? Like, I mean, he owns what he is, and he owns what that show is. Clay Travis tries to play both sides. I'm a journalist. I have journalistic integrity. But, oh, here, let me shit on a school. I'm also a fucking muckraker. Other than just I'm going to shit on a school. Yeah, You're right about that. Well, he, like, again, if, if when we were winning SEC East Championship, if Clay Travis was patting us on the back or talking about how good we were, or if he had tweeted several times last year about, wow, that's the Mario Crockett's come out of nowhere and really taking the SEC East by storm, if those sort of tweets were sprinkled in amongst the, God, these snowflaking liberal fucktard idiots at Mizzou at it again wasn't the only thing he ever tweets out, then I would be much more, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know why we're having the conversation anyway. I think no. it's about time we go to break. This conversation is really getting to the point of, of absurdity. Oh, okay. I couldn't agree more, Paul. Bob, All right, let's, let's take a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to have a lot of show left for you. We've got a new game because we're going to talk about Missouri's freshmen and how much we don't know about them. So I hope you stay tuned for that. We'll be back. This is the Mazotcast. Don't throw that used cell phone away. Sell it to Midmo iFix. Midmo iFix buys and sells used cell phones that include a 30-day warranty. So if you lost your phone overboard, the screen's cracked, or the phone's broken, stop into Midmo iFix and see Kevin. And if you have no use for that old phone, turn it into cash. Midmo iFix, located next to Emo's Pizza on Osage Beach Parkway. 573-694-8795. Midmo iFix. Phones fixed fast.
your pants. We're back. Okay, everybody, we are back indeed, and we're going to play a special game for you this week. Colin, uh, tell me what you know about Mizzou's freshman class coming into the 2017 season. That would be nothing. Absolutely nothing. How about yourself? You know any more than Colin? I think probably less. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's fair. I'm probably in the same boat, and so to test that knowledge that we bring to everyone and just make sure that they know what they're getting in quality podcasters, we're going to play a little game called Mizzou Freshman or Serial Killer. Guys, you ready to play the game? Oh, yeah. Okay, Colin, the first question goes to you. Brian, are you ready for this? Are you up to the challenge? <laughs> uh, we'll see. Okay. Colin, our first name is Donald Gaskins. Is he a Mizzou freshman player, or is he, in fact, a murderous serial killer? <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, serial killer. Gaskin just sounds like a good serial killer name. He's a Gaskin Strangler. That is absolutely right. Uh, Known as the Hitchhiker Killer, Gaskins claimed to have killed between 80 and 90 people by torturing and mutilating them in the 1970s. He would pick up hitchhikers throughout the South in order to murder them. He's also famous for being the only man ever to kill another inmate while on death row. Wow. Big accomplishments. Yeah. So, Colin, you are in the lead, one to nothing, over Brian. Okay, Brian, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, our next name, Hayden Reimer. Hayden Reimer. Mizzou player. Or that sounds like killer. a cornerback or something. So yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with a uh, freshman. Indeed, six two two oh five freshman walk on quarterback from First Academy in Orlando, Florida. This pro style quarterback looks to add depth behind Drew Locke and company in 2017. He has no murders to date. <laughs> wow, I think the name Hayden we was can, a giveaway. That. that means he was born in the last like uh, you know two decades. Yeah, that's right. So unless uh, he's Hayden Fox, I guess I'm, I'm way <laughs> off on that. Yeah. Timely reference. Um, okay, Colin, are you ready? Yep. Our next name is Miles Edie. Miles Edie. Right. Freshman Edie, or serial again, killer? Again, Edie strikes me as a name that would just be great on a serial killer. So I'm just going to say serial killer again. Oh, oh I'm sorry. The six foot, two hundred twenty five pound freshman defensive lineman from Plantation, Florida. He's listed as defensive lineman. Edie also played outside linebacker and running back in high school. He has also never murdered anyone, or at least isn't not so in his team bio. Okay, great. All right. So uh, here's your chance to take the lead, Brian. Y- yep, you can jump in early here, Brian. Uh, next name: Charles Cullen. Charles Cullen. Oh man, that does sound like a good. That sounds like either one, right? I mean, he could be a serial killer who actually does play for Mizzou. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go serial killer. Damn it. Known as the Angel of Death, Cullen worked at a, as a nurse in hospitals throughout the Northeast. He confessed to murdering 40 elderly patients by poison in New Jersey over a span of 20 years, claiming he was relieving them of their pain. Experts believe Cullen could have killed more than 300 victims before his capture. Boy, Brennan, I don't care what anybody says. This guy sounds like a real jerk. <laughs> he, is a, he is a jerk. All right. Uh, so, Colin, it's back to you. Uh, Brian has come out into a commanding two-to-one lead. Your name is Tristan Castillo. That's got to be a football player. That's Castillo just like sounds like a offensive lineman's name. 
this 6'4 offensive lineman comes in at 320 pounds. (laughs) You nailed the position. Yeah. (laughs) From Webb City, Missouri, Castillo earned offers from Minnesota, Iowa State, and Illinois before eventually signing with the Tigers. This big lineman has, to the best of our knowledge, never murdered anyone. Well, Brendan, I think you should delineate a little bit here that murdering someone does not make you a serial killer. That's true. So these guys may have murdered people, just or pers- a person, just mm-hmm. not murdered multiple people, which would put them in that classification. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess that's fair. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I think it is it's also fair to point out they have never murdered anyone, okay. regardless of their serial killer status. Well, I mean, you can throw that, at, you can throw that stat out there, or you can just leave it to you know, the fans to, you know, wonder. <laughs> All right. Brian, he's tied it up here. It is now your turn. Tell me, is this a freshman at Mizzou, or is it a serial killer? His name is Patrick Kearney. Patrick Kearney. Well, he's either a kicker or a serial killer. Someone goes serial killer. I think most ki- kickers are serial killers, um, but you say serial killer? Yeah, I'm going to go with that. The trash bag killer. Kearney confessed to the murder of 32 people in the mid-1970s. He would reportedly dump his victims' bodies along California highways wrapped in trash bags after each crime. He's still alive and serving a life sentence in the California State Prison in Mule Creek. Well, at least he cleans up afterwards, you know, mm-hmm. bagging it up on the side of the road. I mean, he's from California. I mean, recycling's important. Yeah. And so, I mean, he could just left body parts scattered all over the place, but instead he cleaned up after himself, mm-hmm. and you got to appreciate that. Yeah, and he has maybe, four, year, four years of eligibility left. Yeah, and maybe maybe he's not all bad. <laughs> he's a recycler. <laughs> That's right. He's got a good side too. Yeah. Okay, Colin. Uh, Brian has regained a lead at three to two. Your next name is Tommy Sells. Tommy, Tommy Sells. I'm going to go with football player. I don't know. This sounds like uh, Tommy Sells. Anytime I hear the, like, I feel like it was an adult serial killer, it'd be Tom Sells. Mm -hmm. But because they're still calling him Tommy, I'm going to guess he's adolescent and uh, he's going to be a football player. I always feel like one syllable last names are great for football players. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, it turns out. No. Son of a bitch. Tommy Sells, uh, referred to as a cross-country killer, Sells committed most of his heinous acts in the state of Texas. He claimed to have killed at least 70 people, but one victim survived being stabbed 16 times, enabled her to give a detailed description of the depraved lunatic, which aided in his capture. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Colin, not looking good. Brian, you can really Was she jump a great out. big fat person? <laughs> you can really jump out in front here, Brian. So uh, this one's a big one. Isaiah Miller. Isaiah Miller. Isaiah Miller. Well, I'm going to go with football player because this Isaiah, is an easy one. I feel like an Isaiah wouldn't murder anyone. I don't know. Well, Brian, what you're alluding to is that serial killing it seems to be the province of white dudes. You know what I mean? Like, you don't hear about <laughs> black dudes being, being serial killers. It seems to be like a total white dude move. Like, I I'm, hate black people. <laughs> good Lord. <laughs> anyway, so my thought is, is that this guy's named Isaiah probably black therefore not a serial killer i hate black people god damn it uh yeah so uh so glad we got that drop thanks for adding that little bit colin jeez uh brian it turns (laughs) out you said football player uh yeah i'm gonna go football player told you yeah 511 191 pound (laughs) freshman running back from jacksonville florida the three-star running back originally committed to oregon state before flipping to mizzou he adds tremendous boost of speed from the backfield and has never murdered anyone. <laughs> yeah, there's only two people that are named Isaiah: black people and like super religious white people. <laughs> well, Jewish people, like Isaiah. Yeah, exactly. I hate black people. Brandon. So uh, anyway, let's move on. Uh, we don't really want Colin to elaborate on Isaiahs anymore. Um, 
So Brian, yeah, he now he's out there at four to two. Colin's going to be really tough to catch up, but you can try here with uh, Pompey Coleman. Pompey Coleman. Now mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to say um, I'm going to say football player because why? Can't... Why? Tell me why. <laughs> what about what about Pompey Coleman might lead you to think football player, Colin? That name just sounds slightly ethnic to me mm-hmm. <laughs> in okay. a certain way and as i said um if you're gonna be a sicko weirdo serial killer you're probably a middle-aged kind of mildly handsome white guy based on the pictures i've seen on in, <laughs> on television <laughs> all right i'll leave it at that and just say well, that ted bundy was a real sex pot you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you're right uh pompey coleman is a 65 300 pound offensive lineman who hails from indianapolis this three-star tackle was the number 10 recruit in the state of indiana and is recovering from a season-ending leg injury sustained during his senior year of high school. He chose Mizzou over Louisville, Purdue, Illinois, and has recorded no murders on his resume. Hmm. So, Colin, yeah, you got one back here. But, Brian, this could do it. You could close it out here with this final question for you. Dennis Rader. Okay. Dennis Rader. Dennis? Guinness or Dennis? Dennis with a D. Dennis with a D. Ooh. Um... Can I help him out with this one? <laughs> <laughs> I hate black people. God damn it. <laughs> um. uh. <laughs> Nobody who's young enough to be playing college football is named Dennis. That's my, that's my go-to <laughs> advice on that. Don't help Brian. You know what I mean, Brian? I mean, it's, he's might as well be named Keith. <laughs> yeah. Brian's dad's name. <laughs> and Brian's dad is not young enough to play college football. It is a serial killer. Yeah. It is? Shocking. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna I was gonna go with serial killer. But, all right. <laughs> all right, Brian, give us your final answer. Uh serial killer. Yeah, it turns out Dennis is in fact a serial killer known as the BTK killer. BTK stood for Bind, Torture, Kill. Raider, a Pittsburgh, Kansas native, killed 10 people in and around Wichita, all the while taunting his hapless local police with letters about his crimes. Raider remained at large until 2005 when he sent a computer disc to the media, apparently bored with the Kansas police inability to catch him. He killed a bunch of Kansas, not all bad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The Quantrell Killer. That's what you call this fella. Well, I have to tell you, Brian, this was a walk. You won five to three over Colin in this first edition of Freshman or Serial Killer. I Congratulations. Look to playing again next year. And maybe without the social commentary. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so nice work, guys. I, I think that's really en- enlightening to uh, our listeners on who is, in fact, a Missouri freshman, where they're from, what position they play, and who murdered millions of people. Yeah, sure. All right, fellas. Why don't we take a second break for the day, come back, and get into a little Kansas news. This is the Mazadcast. <laughs> I'm Mike, founder of DollarShaveClub.com. What is DollarShaveClub.com? Well, for a dollar a month, we send high-quality razors right to your door. Yeah, a dollar. Are the blades any good? No, our blades are f***ing great. So stop forgetting to buy your blades every month and start deciding where you're going to stack all those dollar bills I'm saving you. We are DollarShaveClub.com, and the party is on. The Mazodcast, your source for contagious erectile dysfunction.
violets are due to three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. Okay, guys, we got a lot of news for you today. Our first story. Carbon monoxide killed two people in SUV outside Kansas Walmart. Authorities say carbon monoxide poisoning killed two people who were found dead in a sports utility vehicle in a Walmart parking lot in Kansas. Police Chief Terry Ziegler announced the cause of death Tuesday on Twitter. Kansas City, Kansas police identified the people as Carolyn William Codger, age 26, and 30-year-old Trevor Roth of Dodge City. They were found Sunday morning in a parking lot across the street from the Legends Outlet Shopping Center near the Kansas Speedway. Ziegler said that it appears the couple was struggling to understand how to open their car doors. Exhaust fumes appeared to be trapped in the vehicle due to duct tape holding in air as well as the plastic window covering. So, tragic Were they end. trying to kill each themselves? No, it, it, according to the police, they were they had not figured out how the door handles worked and due to the fact that all the windows were, were plastic with duct tape around them, the uh, they couldn't roll down, the, couldn't windows, roll down the window and couldn't, the gas couldn't escape. And surely you can't punch out a plastic bag window. I don't think Kansans are familiar with carbon monoxide and realize Well, my thing is, is that, oh, so here's the thing, you can sit in a parked car with the engine running for a great long time outside mm-hmm. and not die. Yeah. So was I think, you're really, exhaust? I think I mean, you're really overestimating the uh, the state of a Kansas vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> the giant rusted hole in the floorboard was just letting all those yes, fumes right up. It, it had to be something to it. I mean, frankly, there is very there are very few glass windows in vehicles sure. in Kansas. Yeah, sure. So. Uh, this is pretty much, you know, it could happen anywhere. There's a lot of death at Walmart in Kansas. Yeah, it seems like it's a very dangerous place to go. Yes, thank you. That's exactly what. That's exactly what I was going to say. If I ever go to Kansas, which God forbid I ever do that, I am never ever stopping in a Walmart in Kansas. Well, I think that's just a good policy for whatever state you're in. But yeah, especially Kansas. Kansas man collected child porn using PlayStation. <laughs> a man in Coffee County has pled guilty. To one count of receiving child pornography, Michael Stratton of Burlington, well, he's Kansas. He's got a long way to go to catch up Jared, with Jared Fogle there. <laughs> Michael Stratton of Burlington, Kansas, admitted in his plea Friday to using a PlayStation 3 gaming console to chat about and trade child pornography. Sony stated in court documents that they monitor user activities on the PlayStation network. Account holders are able to communicate in a way similar to email. A user complained to Sony about Stratton, who was sending messages using the name Susan14. Sony sent reports to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which identified child porn that Stratton had downloaded. Sony also determined Stratton had sent messages to others, including, You want to see naked kids tonight? And friend request, Do you have child porn? Stratton's sentencing is scheduled for August 7th. Bold way of asking for porno. Child porno. I don't feel like that's something you just get out there and ask. Yeah, friend request. Hey, I don't know yet. Got any kitty porn? <laughs> yeah. What's his ba- what do you think his batting average with that request that was in Kansas? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's a really good question. <laughs> Couldn't be Ted Williams-esque, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> the Iron Man Yeah, he's, porno. Yeah, the, uh, you know, we might have a real uh, George Brett on our hands. <laughs> Kansas man with backward murder tattoo loses appeal. The Kansas Supreme Court upheld the murder conviction of a Kansas man whose case drew attention because of a tattoo spelling the word murder backwards on his neck. The court on Friday rejected the appeal of Jeffrey Wade Chapman of first-degree murder conviction and 2011 death of Damon Gaylord of Barton County. Chapman claimed that he killed Gaylord out of self-defense. 
In his appeal, Chapman argued he did not get a fair trial because of the pretrial publicity caused in part because of the red rum tattoo on his neck. He asked to have the tattoo removed, but was allowed instead to wear a turtleneck to cover it during the trial. The court rejected the appeal, saying the district court made a special effort to avoid jurors being affected. Boy, it's almost like that tattoo of the word murder on his neck was a bad idea. Yeah, that's why I have told you time and again (laughs) not to get chronic masturbator tattooed on your forehead, Colin. (laughs) I just want the world to know. (laughs) Kansas woman finds guinea pig in mailbox. A Kansas woman alerted authorities Wednesday after she found a guinea pig in her mailbox, according to Lyon County Sheriff's Office. In a post to its Facebook page, the sheriff's office said the rural Lyon County resident found the guinea pig Wednesday morning. The woman lives in a rural part of the county just west of Emporia. Anyone with information about the apparently abandoned pet is asked to call the sheriff's department before the Kansas resident eventually gives in and consumes the rodent. (laughs) Why why in God's name is that news? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, if somebody put a guinea pig in my mailbox today... How is that ever going to get to the paper? Well, Colin, I think the newspaper just gets sick of child porn stories. <laughs> yeah. You've got to report of something else. Yeah. And it's just yeah. child porn, child porn, child porn, murder tattoo, dead Walmart, guinea pig. Getting off for sodomy. Brendan, we should follow up on that story, Brendan, by the way. Remember our, the last episode, we had a story about a gentleman who they were having a difficult time finding a jury for because so many people were so forgiving of the fact that he had sodomized a 13-year-old girl. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Kansas man found not guilty in child sodomy case. Ah, uh, you had it. I should. I should have known. Jacob Ewing, accused of sodomizing a 13-year-old girl one night at a cemetery, was acquitted Thursday afternoon by a jury in Holton, Kansas. After about five hours of deliberating, a jury unanimously made the ruling on the two counts Ewing faced: aggravated criminal sodomy and indecent liberties, crimes that would have carried mandatory life sentences. The case drew media attention because it divided the small Kansas community so deeply that attorneys had trouble finding impartial jurors, with some residents seeming to cast blame on the alleged victim. The Ewing family is well-known in the area and owns Holton Farm and Supply. Some raise concerns that because of the prominence of the family and because of the tight-knit community, jurors might have difficulty arriving at objective conclusions. Well, I'd say the fact that he's also like awaiting trial on like four other rape charges, that would be, I mean, I don't know if they brought that up in court. Maybe it was inadmissible. I feel like that would sway my decision making a little bit, you know. You you would think, you know, if you had a human heart, but not in Kansas. No, no, you know, if you had a human heart and you knew the family, you'd still kind of want to put a uh, child rapist away. Mm-hmm. But uh, there is a trend in this state. I think the allegations of juror misconduct are very serious, and I don't take them lightly. Ewing's attorney said, "I thought we had a fair jury selection process, and I don't have any information that anyone did anything inappropriate." Ewing faces four other rape charges. Oh, about the, except the part where he stuck his dick in a girl's ass who was 13 years old. That is inappropriate. They should mm-hmm. mention that in the story. Yeah, there's wasn't. no proof that anything inappropriate happened except for that part. Yeah. That one part there. It's not listed here. <laughs> uh, Ewing faces four other rape charges and one attempted rape charge. None of those alleged victims were minors, Spalding said. Well, good for him. Yeah. Ewing's <laughs> next trial begins in June. During closing arguments, Ewing's attorney asked the jury, the question you have to ask yourself, is this girl credible? <laughs> the prosecution argued that between... 13-year-old. Yes. 13-year-old girl. He left out the 13-year-old girl That's part. That's right. The, this is pretty sick. The prosecution argued that between late February and late May 2014, Ewing drove the 13-year-old girl he reportedly had been flirting with to a cemetery more than 10 miles from the child's home, asked her or forced her 
out of the car and then sodomized her. A little before noon, the jurors filed into the deliberation room. They'd been instructed that whether Ewing knew her age or not, if he had sex with the alleged victim, the law states that he be found guilty. After the alleged incident, a friend texted Ewing, warning him that the girl was 13. He texted back, I thought she was 17. A statement used by the prosecution as a sign that he committed the crime. The defense said, there are too many questions, too many contradictions, and there's too little proof. You have to go back and parse through all of this, decide the fate of someone accused of a terrible crime. Before you lay those consequences at his feet, you better make sure you're right. I would say the part word that would make me sure is when I asked the girl, hey, did this guy over here, the one in the suit behind me with the lawyer next to him, uh, did he happen to fuck you in your ass? And if she said, yes, he did. Case closed. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's just me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You know, that eyewitness, you know, pointing out the person, you know, that's, that's pretty, I feel like that's pretty damning evidence. Maybe, you know. What did he do to her? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to, giving you another drop tonight. <laughs> the, uh, you know, I feel like all they had with OJ was an ill-fitting glove. So, I mean, I, maybe OJ gets off. Okay. He may, you know, I think everybody's pretty convinced he saw two people's heads off. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> the, per- the person's in the room telling you what the guy did. Yeah. But and those Kansans, they just can't, like, and there's boy, text that he, I thought she was 17. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. not enough evidence. Gosh, you just, you just yeah. can't do it. Well, I'm glad we followed up for persistent journalistic efforts on that depressing, sad Kansas story. All right, fellas. Uh, before we go, there was one other story that I think we uh, maybe ought to talk about a little bit which is the Utah Jazz are pretty far into the NBA playoffs. And you know what big NBA fans we all are. Sure. So, uh, But with the Utah Jazz doing pretty well in the playoffs, even though I think they lost their last two games, the notable thing for us Mizzou fans is their head coach, Quinn Snyder. Yep. Quinn Snyder has had quite the career rebound since his uh, cocaine-addled days here at, at <laughs> yeah. Mizzou. And so, uh, he learned so much from us. <laughs> he really did. I mean, it's uh, it, I tell you, so many years removed and with all the sort of embarrassment surrounding this program, what do you think about Quinn Snyder's sort of resurrection? Do you feel good for him? Or are you like, do you have honestly, I never disliked the guy from a certain standpoint. I hated the product on the court, obviously, especially towards the end when they were just obviously sleepwalking, you know, just mailing it in. But you know, his. I like to. Yeah, I like. To, I guess I like to like to party a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. like like that old <laughs> like those girls. Yeah, like golden. those girls. I don't know though. In retrospect, you know, good for Quinn. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm he, happy for him. I mean, you know, you don't want to see someone. He didn't hate us. You know, you know what I mean. I don't know why. Why? Yeah. Why do you root for someone to fail? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. I, root, I root for hate to fail. It's your. It's your. You know, job to do that. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a young, good-looking cokehead. I mean, you can't really just blame him for that. So, I mean, and, and you know, if Missouri's good next year, all's forgiven. Yeah, that's right. Well, fellas, I think we've about wrapped it up. That's all we can talk about in a mid-May show when there's no basketball, no football. I think we've done a pretty good job of filling out an hour of very exciting entertaining podcast. Sure. And so, uh, once again, follow us on the Twitter box. Get those iTunes reviews in. Get us ahead of Paul Feinbaum. And we'll try to bring you episodes as we can, as there's news. There'll probably be some news soon when those basketball recruits either come or don't come. But uh, hopefully the football talk will ramp up here shortly and uh, you know, a few short months away from college football again. Yeah. I mean, if there's one thing we can count on is that Kansas will continue to um, fill the news uh, with uh, pedophiles and uh, rapists and... Uh, all manner of disgusting, disgusting creatures. That's right. There is no off-season for Kansas news. <laughs> no, there sure isn't. All right, guys. Until then, M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Go Tigers.
any kitty porn? Hey, Brian, I don't know what you're doing, but it's making a shitload of noise. <laughs> you're eating the shit out of some chips, buddy. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I'm starving. I'm sorry.